they call me Crazy Jack. And I, I think crazy is good. We are crazy, but we're not stupid. You keep pushing because you believe in yourself and in your vision. Stay hungry, stay foolish. The Creativity Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to the Creativity Podcast for an episode this time with Gotham, who is an amazing entrepreneur. He's a busy man. He took the time to be on the podcast for me and for you guys. So welcome, Gotham. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. And I'm, <laughs> I'm glad that this conversation is happening. I've heard yes. a lot about you from Sonia. So I'm, I'm glad that we finally get to speak. Yeah, well, I think it was meant to be. We have so many um, interests in common and things that we're interested in. We have so many things in common and topics that we need to discuss. So this conversation was meant to be. So for people out there who don't know Gotham, uh, he's an amazing entrepreneur. He's a keynote speaker, a coach. Uh, he's the founder of Life Plugin, um, a company that builds offline communities. And he's also a TEDx speaker with over 7 million views total on his videos. So I have so many questions I want to ask you. I love what you do. And, and I'm super curious about how you do it. And the most obvious thing I want to ask you is how do you do to build offline communities? I think the, the how is actually the, the easier part. You know, because one, there's tools available and, and we, we, we can talk about that. I think my, my interest started, I think it's easy to, for me because I, I, if I think of it, I have 12 years of experience uh, in unconsciously being in the most tribe-centric ecosystems in the world. So uh, the way I, like in my entire adult life, I have been in extremely tribe-centric uh, organizations and it, even my upbringing, I, I come from a family in India. So having a uh, like a big community of 15, 20, 30 people, literally. Like if I have a problem today in Barcelona and if I make a call to India, say, hey, there's a problem. There's been literally like 30, 40 people at the airport waiting to take the next flight <laughs> if they get the visa, if they get wow. the visa, <laughs> you know? So that's the ecosystem that I, that I grew up in. And mm -hmm. what, what had happened was when I joined my university, uh, I that was the first time that I left my home and, you know, you move to a different place and uh, it, everything is very, very new. And I, I, when I joined my university, I felt, I was feeling this, this sense of loneliness, not as extreme where it's an issue in my life, but I was feeling that there's something missing. Like I, I was feeling that I want to connect with people who have like, who have at least the same sense of uh, enjoyment or take on life, especially when you come to university, you get a lot of freedom and have the same sense of like shared kind of disappointment. I guess the way the education system is designed and you know, shoving things down your throat kind of a thing. Yeah. So I, I've stumbled upon an organization called ISEC back then. I was 19 years old. I, I remember the day I joined, August 23rd, 2008. I considered it to be my second birthday. That's how profound joining wow. that organization was because that, that hit home for me. When I joined it, I, I felt like, I literally, I felt like I belonged there, right? And I, I spent about six years in that organization, more time in that organization. It's a student organization. I spent more time in that organization uh, than being, uh, as a student in my university, because that's how it literally replaced my education. Right? So I, I came from that ecosystem. And once I left it, because it's it's only for students, that's the worst part about that organization, is that it ends in like five years maximum. That's the max lifespan you can have, five to seven years. And then when I left it, I, I realized I was uh, I was doing the right things, you know, climbing the corporate ladder. I was moving internationally, doing like in terms of making money and doing the right things according to the the checklist that one has for success. I was doing those things, but I was feeling this growing disconnect, especially now that I knew that I've had a taste of 
what it feels like to be a part of an ecosystem where you don't know anyone, where you come together as strangers, and when you leave with tears in your eyes, you feel the pain of separation every time you get separated. And I felt that strong sense of belonging. So I was seeking that, right? So that early experience, uh, so these were all the things that we did. I was uh, part of the organization for six years. I was part of the leadership. I was running operations for about 20,000 students in India when I was 23 years old, right? So to figure out how do you mobilize 20,000 students, actually 20 to 50,000 students, depending on the time of the year, uh, in a country when you're a student yourself, right? How do you run an offline community model? So I had those early experiences, which I didn't have the vocabulary for as I was growing through, right? Hindsight is 2020. And then I joined Mind Valley uh, because of my passion for personal growth. And I realized Mind Valley had similar essence of ISEC because half of Mind Valley employees come from ISEC, including the founder. AFES, uh, if you, AFES is, is a ISEC conference with a lot of money into it. That's what it is. <laughs> AFES idea was inspired. I, I spoke to Vision about it. Through how ISEC is one of the key pillars of how uh, that youth and organization that I was a part of creates such a strong sense of belonging and almost cult-like behavior. And so, Wait, in uh, should Valley, we give? Yeah. Should we give? Sorry, should we give a little bit of um, a context for people who don't know Mind Valley, who don't know Vision, who don't know AFest? Uh, oh, yes. Just, just quickly, a few yeah. words. Can, okay, you, can okay. you? Yeah. All right. For for people who are living under a rock and who don't know what Mind Valley <laughs> or and Vision are, uh, you guys should get off this podcast. You, you guys. Uh, no. So Mind Valley is is one of the, I think, in my opinion, the coolest uh, transmission education company in my view. Right. And I, I, even though I run a transmission education company and we have our own spirit, but Mind Valley is is my home. Right. That's where I learned most of the things that I learned uh, from. And they they run uh, transmission education experiences in mind, body. How can you grow your mind, body, you know, spirituality, career? How can you have more impact, grow as an entrepreneur, and all of those things? And they do they do a phenomenal job. And yeah, it's a uh, it's an it's a huge company. They have I don't know 15 million. Uh, customers every year who take Mind Valley programs free or paid. Wow. Right. And so it's huge. And when I joined Mind Valley, it was like and Vision is the founder of Mind Valley. He's he's a New York Times bestselling author. He's wrote uh, he's written Code of the Extraordinary Mind. I love this book. book. I love and this book. Released, when I met him I told him I love the book. Yeah. Yeah. And he just released Buddha and the Badass. Right. And the philosophies of okay. Buddha and the Badass is like how can you uh, you know it's a it's an old philosophy. You know, how can you embrace your Buddha nature. So you be Zen and calm and peaceful, but at the same time, embrace your, the badass entrepreneur or, or leader that who has to show up in this world of duality and then do shit, move things up, shake things up. Right? So he wrote this book and the philosophy was getting developed in the time that I spent with him, right? Because that, the, the book research was in the last four, uh, three to five years. And that mm -hmm. was the, the strongest growth period for Mind Valley as an organization. I think they grew from, I shouldn't say the numbers. So about 400% in the last five years. Wow. If I'm not wrong, close to, right? So it's a significant improvement. And, and the research, because it was about, you know, embracing your Buddha nature and badass nature and doing things, growing as an entrepreneur, as a person in the real world. So I think the research uh, vision was applying it on himself and bringing it to the entire company at the same time that I happened to be there. So it was a privilege oh, to, nice. to experience those philosophies with him. So that's, the Mind Valley ecosystem, right? So they, that's what they do. They're, they and they they are an education technology platform. Right? So what they do is they build a, a technology that can 
Uh, and their quest is to figure out how do you bring the transformation education to the world so that people learn it and not just take an online course and just that sits on your on your yeah. mobile app. But like, how do you engineer learning experiences online that, you know, people can, once you enroll, the transformation is kind of guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Right. So that that's what Mindvalley does. And they built an amazing technology called Quest technology in, yeah. in which these programs are embedded. So that's what Mindvalley is. And what's funny is that you are, you say it's my home and they are an online community. So all you, all your job was to build the offline part and, and it's still your home, but at the same time, it's, uh, there was kind of a paradox here. The, the... Yeah. So I think Mindvalley, they, they already had an offline community, yeah. right? They had a great offline community, but a very small one. Right. You were a part of it when you when we met in Barcelona, 2017. Yeah. We, right? I think we crossed. We met quickly. We, we crossed. Yeah, yeah. We, we crossed in 2017. So that event was part of the Mind Valley tribe, the offline tribe. Yeah. And the Mind Valley had they at the time they did two A fests a year, with about 300 people attendees, and then one Mind Valley University. With the goal was about like a thousand members. And they haven't had that yet, but like a thousand members, and the next one they want to do for 2,000 members. But if you think about it, it's maximum 3000 people in a year that you can build like such a strong sense of belonging with yeah right the rest is the offline uh, online community and my last role in mind valley was to figure out how can you turn uh, this this strong sense of belonging between 2000 to 3000 members how do you scale that cult like connection when it gets to from 2000 to 200000 from 3000 mm-hmm. to 300000 wow. because there's only there's only so many events that vision himself can do like there's yeah. only so many things that the founder himself can be uh, personally involved in and create these experiences, right? So the way to move it forward is by creating a core DNA. And this is the question of how. How do you create uh, a strong, uh, like a cult that goes way beyond the founder? By the way, if you if you think about any of the great tribe-centric ecosystems, any of them in, in the world, like ISEC mobilizes 200,000 students in the world every year. Right, and then there's Zumba that 15 million people take uh, Zumba classes every week. This is stats from six years ago, so there's probably more, and uh, way more. The CrossFit, there's about half a million people participate in the annual uh, Olympic version, which is the CrossFit Open. And then there's religions, which is like the original, you know, cults or tribes, (laughs) greatest tribes. Right? You know, the common thing among all these great tribe-centric ecosystems is that you don't know who the founder is. You, you really need Except to be for religions, but uh, yeah, <laughs> even even religion, you don't know who the founder is. You know the uh, big avatar. Yeah, they're yeah, not yeah. the founder, right? Mm. So the founders are the ones who are running it as an organization. And you always will have in every tribe-centric ecosystem, will always have leaders and role models to model after. Like religions have leaders have have the the top of like the the pope, and they also have local priests and they have pastors and they all have different leadership roles. And then what their job is, is to run the, you know, maintain the core DNA of the organization. So the job, how to, how do you run a large scale offline community? One of the strongest things is to build a core DNA, which is what are your core values? Who are you? Who are you not? And what are the things that you accept? What are the things which are non-negotiable will never come into your ecosystem? And you solidify it in a way that it becomes an educational curriculum that every single person can follow. And once you have the core DNA of the organization, which is the core values and who you are, 
And then your core values and who you are, look what it does. It creates a sense of us versus them, right? If you know who you are, you also know who you're not. So mm-hmm. it, it creates not like, it doesn't vilify, but it creates kind of a separation, which is important for sense of belonging, right? Which is why every religion, like if mm-hmm. you take an extreme version, you know, they, they vilify every person who doesn't follow that religion. But there's always in tribe-centric ecosystem, there's this feeling of us versus them. Right? And there's also a sense of unity and overall compassion, but there's a feeling of us versus them. Right? And once you have that, and once you have the core DNA of the organization, you can replicate that. You don't need to be part of it. What you need to do is to build a strong DNA and build a system through which that DNA can be transformed beyond you. Right? So once you do that, what ends up happening is you start rolling out self-sustainable communities. Right? These are communities that are running independent of you you're still you're still managing them and controlling them but you don't have to be there right zumba yeah. created a model right crossfit created a workout model they created like functional movement they they just they decided there are 10 different disciplines for fitness and they'll do all of them instead of just one right zumba had their own philosophy isaac had has its own right so they they built that philosophy they said this is how we will run everything that we run these are our core values if anybody's not in alignment they are out and there's a hard uh, you 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 bring in people. There's a high level of curation. You you don't bring everyone without having a rite of passage, right? That's yeah. another that's another thing for uh, for strong memberships. If you think about the strongest memberships that you're enrolled in, there was a rite of passage that you had to pass through. Right? If you if let's say you, you people who are part of great universities, they pass through a heavy selection process to get into universities. Mm. That's why like people from Harvard are proud for life military people, Navy SEALs, they, are, they say there's no ex-Marines, there's only old Marines because they go through such a hard rite of passage. They say, once you're in, you're in for life, mm-hmm. right? So the, and the more difficult the rite of passage is, the stronger is the sense of belonging, but that's, a, that's not the subject of the conversation. For ISEC, yeah. you know, the, the, uh, the rite of passage is a four layered interview process. Like okay. it's, imagine 18, 19 year old going through interviews for like one round of interview, second round of interview, a group discussion, their worldview. And only then they get invited to join the membership, hmm. right? So every single tribe center ecosystem, CrossFit has their on-ramp. You know, they, you have a six week on-ramp without which you can't do CrossFit classes, hmm. right? So there's, there's a rite of passage for you to join uh, a community. And the, the stronger the rite of passage, the more sense of belonging you have. Did you have a question? You wow. No, no, no. I'm, I'm processing this so much. It's, it's. Uh, I have many questions, but at the same time, I'm, I'm processing. It makes me think of this book, uh, "Build to Last." I don't know if you know this book. That there are some elements. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some elements that we we find again in um, how you build a company, because basically what they're doing is that they build this inside community uh, with this philosophy, as you said. And what, what they say in the book is that. The aim is that when the, the like exactly what you said, when the founder leaves, then the company uh, goes on with the same philosophy. So it's really interesting. I was trying to make those connections. That's why I'm, I look confused. Yeah. But um, but uh, no, it's um, it's great. I, I just want to say about the vocabulary. You say tribe. You say community. Uh, what's the difference with the group with the cult? How would you? Uh, def- I mean, we can look in a dictionary. But what I'm interested in is how you define those <coughs> words. Why and when do you say trap, for example? Mm, okay, so great question. I think feeling-wise, when I say the word community and when I say the word tribe, 
it used to, at least when I did my first TEDx talk, the tribe would elicit a much stronger uh, connection and my belonging towards that group than community. I think community is a, a bit modern word and tribe has ancient roots. Like we used to live in tribes. Yeah. Like we used to live in tribes, no more than 150 people, right? And that tribe was everything to us. Like literally, it literally meant everything to us. And leaving that tribe meant life or death situation, right? So yeah. that strong sense of belonging. And if you scale that, that's what a cult becomes, right? So like cult yeah. is, like cult has a bit of negative connotation to it, but yeah. cult is basically the extreme sense of belonging to an ecosystem. And almost like you put your own reputation on the line to protect or to uphold the core values and the belief systems of the collective ecosystem, which that you're a part of, right? So you can call it a cult. But to me, the, the, the difference between community and tribe, tribe has a bit more, like had a stronger emotional response to me. Otherwise there's no difference. You can say we have a tribe, we have a community. Yeah. And right now this, both of these words are uh, getting bastardized in the, in the industry. Like yeah. Everything has a tribe, everything has a community. And the more I thought about it, I realized like, and now we, we've solidified this even further. Tribes is important, but the core value of life plugin that the business that I'm building is not tribes, not communities, not connections, but friendships. And friendship mm -hmm. is, a, is a much deeper meaning. You know, it has a much uh, deeper connection to it. And to me, friendship is almost spiritual. And the world that we live in today, we, mm -hmm. we don't have the concept of, of best friend, for example. Think about it this way. If you, like my, my parents, my parents, they, if I ask them, hey, who's your best friend? And they have the one, best is one. Best friend is one person, right? And they, yeah. they have best friend for life, right? Easily the names would come up. But right now our generation, it's a privilege that the world is smaller. We have access to the world. We keep on moving from one place to another and our friendships keep on changing, but we don't have the concept of someone that, you know, we know like if I'm in trouble, I'll just make this phone call for this person. And I know for the rest of my life, that's the kind of relationship that we will share. Right? Because we build friendships with there for short term, because we are living highly independent lifestyles, moving around in the world without any geographical anchors or anchors to an existing community for life. That's just the world that we live in today. We don't have the concept of strong friendships. And if you if you think about it, the world, in, you live in Paris. When I moved to Paris in uh, 2019, end of 2018, I came across the statistics. One out of five uh, people in France are clinically depressed. We're living in the age of loneliness. It's more than yeah. any other city in the U.S. Yeah, right? Paris is uh, is very. Um, I don't know if it's a word in English, but it's hermet hermetic. You know what? It's very people don't. They, it, I really, I really know exactly what you mean by friendship is different today, and that we don't really connect when we talk about Paris. And trust me, I'm not in Paris for the. <laughs> For the the overall spirit and the, the amazing energy, because I know I know there is some kind of disconnection amongst people. So yeah, I, I know what you mean, and it doesn't surprise me those statistics. It doesn't yeah, surprise and, me. And the, the reality is not just just Paris. It's just you know the world yeah. that we we find ourselves today. First, social media is like now it's it's coming up. Have you seen the documentary, The Social Dilemma? Uh, no, I wanted to watch oh it. Oh my I god, man. Yeah? That will, it's like a brain yeah. explosion. Yeah, the way they, they presented it. the facts. Oh my, if there's one thing, everybody of your listener can take back from this podcast, just <laughs> watch the documentary. So we understand because I've, I have a marketing background and an yeah. online marketing background. So I, and I start, I love psychology. 
I love human behavior. And how do you combine these two things by the biggest six big giants in the world that are controlling all the information and that can influence behavior? It is mind blowing, scary, right? So that and social media is creating the sense of you know uh, illusion of uh, building yourself up, right? Yeah. Improving your self-esteem and uh, you know building your prestige, right? And that's a human behavior. It's deeply embedded in our DNA. But yeah. this technology gives us the illusion that we are getting obsessed about our online reputation without any real connection. That's one thing. Uh, us not being, uh, you know, connected with a geography or tied to one location, which used to be the case for most of human history, right? With this, we are the only generation outside COVID, which had, you know, I'm I'm Indian. I lived in Philippines. I lived in Malaysia. Then I lived in Paris. Now I'm living in Barcelona, and it's a normal lifestyle. And a little lift, travel is even more, uh, much larger list, right? Yeah. If you think about it, 50 years ago, that was a poor man's choice. You go back 200 years ago, that was considered dangerous in almost mm. all parts of the world. And that's how we lived for millions of years until 200 years ago. Right? This is the first time you're also letting go of our geographical anchors. You know, we're global citizens, but we don't belong anywhere. It's not good or bad. You know, it's, it's a beautiful thing, our ability to reach out to the world, but it's a trend that influences our sense of belonging because we're social animals, right? And the same thing with religion. Religion used to give us an anchor, give us a strong sense of community and a strong sense of belonging. And we don't get that anymore, right? So we, we find ourselves as social animals uh, living in this anti-social society and, mm. you know, in the name, running around, moving from our, our villages and our small towns to cities in the name of building highly independent lifestyles. And without acknowledging yeah. that our success is not in our independence, it is in our interdependence. Right? And when, mm -hmm. we, when we talk about friendships, and to me, especially life plugins essence, I, I truly believe that if every single person has three to five friends, no more, three to five friends that push each other to grow, that you can, you know, that you can be vulnerable with, that you can laugh with, go wild with, do crazy adventures with, I don't think we need a personal growth industry. But that's that's, that's, that's a big list, though. I want to stop on that if if you uh, yeah. if you don't mind, because that's you said it like that. It's not it's not obvious. I think for a lot of people, I'm fortunate to have friends, uh, very few friends that can I can list uh, that have all this that you can have fun with that push you to go. But push yeah. you to grow is a big yeah. one, because I think that's that's the thing. You have friends also because. You know, they're your friends for, for a long time. And yeah. I had to separate myself from uh, one or two friends um, I was very close to. And it was mm -hmm. super hard to do. But because, first of all, they weren't pushing me to grow, but they were also really holding me back. And every, every time I was around this person, some shit was happening, basically. And I had to yeah. say, okay, stop here. But even though it's not that uh, uh, extreme, mm -hmm. I think a lot of people are, have friends and they're like, why is he your friend? Well, I don't need a reason. He's, I, he's my friend. We have fun from high school, but yeah. he, can, he can hold you back way more than you think. So it's, it's not easy. True. That you bring yeah. a very interesting point. And that's the only, so the only thing I'm focused on, like not the only thing, the central thing that everything leads back to. If this is like plugin, and if this is what I do, every single product, every single conversation like this one, whether it's free, whether it's as a guest or I'm doing a private session, whatever that is, it's leading to this. 
friendships in the context of growth. If you, yeah. you know, there, there, there are friendships that you must have uh, formed in Mind Valley University. That those friendships, yeah. if, if those friendships go deep enough, I, with Mind Valley University, it's a bit difficult from the one that you attended. Uh, but like, if you build, yeah, and, and I was the speaker, so it was kind yeah. of different. But Lauren, mm -hmm. Lauren, I can't so in touch with Lauren. Yeah. You know, so if you have that friendship in the con, if the friendship is formed in the context of growth. Mind Valley University is just a mm -hmm. backdrop that uh, that shapes the, that sets the frame of the kind of conversation that you get you guys get interested in, right? Once you have that, game over. You don't need to constantly enroll in. You can if you're passionate about it. There's nothing wrong with it, but we don't. We will not have an epidemic of mental health issues, an epidemic of mm -hmm. depression and anxiety. Right? That's my belief. You were, right? you were sorry, sorry. Go for it. What? No, no, I was just going to say, I saw the, the example in your TEDx about the Okinawa community, right? right yes. They live longer because they have a strong sense of community, social bond. So this yeah, is a this great is a, example. The, the, yeah, and it's not just an example. It's a scientific study that they did yeah. across all blue zones. There's like mm -hmm. seven or eight of them. There's Okinawa, Japan, Sardinia, Italy. I've been to both of them. And, uh, oh, you froze. Uh, Florida, three more. Am I good now? Yeah, you're good now. Is it good now? <laughs> okay. So yeah, they, they, they did this study and they, they found the number one correlating factor with human mental longevity literally is strength of social connections. There's this really fascinating book uh, on you know mental health, like a holistic view on mental health and especially depression and anxiety because that's the age that we're living in. Yeah. Right? The book called The Lost Connections. Have you heard of it? No, um, you know what? I'm, um, I'm going to listen to this podcast again and again, but I'm going to write it down as well because uh, you know my my memory is the worst uh, thing. Um, no, tell me about it. Yeah. So th this book it's written by Johan Hari. I think it's a British guy, and yeah. he was I think he was uh, taking depression medication for like ten years, twelve years or something, and he went on a quest to look at what is the the overall mental health issue, right? And I think. We've understood it in different shapes and form, but the way the, the facts were presented were unbelievable. And one of the ways to look at, and he looks at mental health issues from not just you know, your biochemical standpoint that, oh, you are low in serotonin, so let's just boost serotonin. That's yeah. like doing patchwork. That's the, that's the dilemma of modern me medicine. We see a symptom, we try to fix it. Mm. And, and this is a big problem when it, when it comes to preventive, uh, preventive medicine. It's a big problem because modern medicine is not preventive. It looks at yeah. a symptom and it fixes it. And it doesn't acknowledge the fact that our body is a highly, highly sophisticated mechanism. If you, if you get a fever right now, if you get a viral infection or a bacterial infection, yeah. whether you're in Paris in 10 degrees or whether you're in Bali with 37 degrees, if you have that virus, your body will only increase the temperature by two degrees two to three degrees and you'll get a fever, right? And it is body's inherent mechanism to kill the virus, right? And what we do, we, we get a fever and say, oh, the, the symptom is the fever. He's getting too hot and maybe it will damage them. And what we do is we start taking fever medication. And we know now if you give fever medication, it actually prolongs the recovery process because mm -hmm. we're interrupting the process. The, the symptoms are actually good. It's our body flagging that it's working on something. Same yeah. mechanism towards mental health issue. Mental health issue is a symptom, not the disease, right? And what are the what is the root cause of the disease? It's it's like the fire alarm in the in our house. You know, if you're sleeping in the middle of the night or your fire alarm starts to ring, 
you don't just wake up like, ah, it's messing up with my sleep and you break the fire alarm. No, you look for where the fire is. Yeah. Right? And the fire is not where the alarm is. The alarm is just raising that flag that there is somewhere we're not living in, al- in alignment with our own, like what we are designed to be. And it goes from, if you go through, you can even look at it from a Maslow's uh, hierarchy standpoint. Look at what are you doing in your basic needs, survival needs, air, water, sleep, nutrition, sunlight. Most people would just fall to here. And we realize, ah, right at the base of the pyramid, we are messing it up. We are, we yeah, are yeah, we yeah. living in temperature controlled environments, sunlight deprived, <laughs> you know, poor water, hunched over postures. We are always sitting on the desk, breathe, not breathing properly, right? So all of those things actually cause internal distress and a chronic problem, including with sleep, with constant blue light exposures, electromagnetic frequencies, living in the world with like so many Wi-Fi radiations going through us all the time, right? So it influences our sleep and all of these things, they, they are the base of our pyramid. If anything is rocking, it will be messed up. Then the next layer is sense of safety, physical safety, having a secure job, having a sense of security. Then it goes into your self-esteem. Your, your Sorry, before self-esteem, your love and connection, your belonging, your friends, feeling that you matter to someone. You have, you're, serve, you're, you're part of a bigger whole. That is another need that, that if you don't, if that need is not met, again, the fire, fire alarm will be met or, will be ringing then comes yeah. to your self-esteem your 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 subconscious traumas earlier childhood experiences or painful emotional experiences that we all uh, experience from time to time that's part of human experience right so all of these things and the environment that we live in because right now we are surrounded by concrete buildings without any view of the nature that's also influencing our mental health right mm. so all of these factors contribute and they all get bundled into anxiety and depression Right. So yeah. this book talks about, I think it was a very interesting perspective and it goes, I think it talks about 10 different categories that actually influence your mental health and well-being. So I think by far the most well-described, well-expressed book on mental health is this one, The Lost Connections. Well, I will definitely uh, read it. I wrote it down and, and it's, it's in there now. It's in the podcast. So uh, I, I think a lot of people should read this kind of books and and it's so, it's so true what you say. Every time I'm I'm, I'm, I'm listening to a a, a um, personal growth uh, podcast or or course online course or uh, talk or whatever, it's always the same thing that comes back. I'm gonna teach you how to breathe. Okay, mm-hmm. so now we breathe and don't forget to sleep well and to eat well. I mean, it's so basic, but at the same time, I think people overlook those um, the basic things because they're like, yeah, 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 I know, I know. Now give me the secret sauce, you know, like mm-hmm. I know I need yeah. to eat vegetables and blah, blah, blah and sleep. Okay, I got it. But then they still go to sleep at a certain time. They still sleep in a certain way. They still, uh, like you said, breathe and, 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 and stand in a certain way. So it's, but this simple to spots they're not necessarily easy to change and i think that's the whole thing you're in the personal growth you know that better than me is that it's not because it's easy to spot that a habit is simple to change um Mm. the way you breathe the way you eat the way you sleep it's not easy it takes time it takes days weeks Mm. so i think that that, that's the thing right and yeah well i think yeah there's this are you you're frozen ah okay i think you you struck two points one is that yes i wish i wish habit formation was a bit sexier i wish it was a sexier topic mm-hmm. to to give to the world because it's like the difference between 
it's a, that's the difference between personal growth and personal knowledge. Like it's a bizarre concept. And you yeah. know, when, when I talk about the tribe identity, when we talk about life plugin, right? Life plugins tribe. The differentiation is that they view, they they understand the difference between personal growth and personal knowledge. It's not about reading a bunch of books, and and you'll see that in our speakers. It's not about, uh, you know, you've read a bunch of books and you can express it in a poetic way. It's not as hard. It's not as hard as being the living embodiment of every single thing that you want to teach. Right. So one of the principles is that when we look about uh, look at our teachers and the things that we want to teach, they should come from someone who's a living, breathing, walking, talking proof yeah. of every single thing that they're about to speak. Second is about you know, there's, I'll, I'll touch upon three things. I'll say the second, I'll come back to it, is to live personal growth as a lifestyle versus quick fix, right? That's a, yes. That's, a, yes. that's, that's the second part. And, ah, oh, shit, I knew I would lose my chain of thought. <laughs> Sorry, it's my bad. Ah, yeah. <laughs> ah, you said it's, it's easy, you know, our, our generation knows it, but it's hard to build a habit. And the reason for that is because we, today we live in a culture of quick fixes. We live mm. in a culture of not delaying gratification. We want an instant solution. Because everything that is preventive, everything that is preventive takes time. It is organic. Your, your sleep will start giving benefits to you once you start managing it without seeing any difference for like a week. And then you start saying, oh, I, I naturally have just more energy. Same thing with your bodybuilding. You, you, know, you, you don't see your difference looking at your mirror every single day. You see it three months apart. If you see the pictures before and after, right? Yeah. Things that are gradual, they are the ones that are actually also lasting. But we don't live in that culture. Look at the kind of programs that are out there. Learn to do this and to this in five days. Learn to do this and this in X amount of days, right? Lose 10 yeah. pounds in, in three weeks. Like this is the world that we live in today. And it, there's, a, there's multiple different things that can connect to it, right? One is the modern me medicine. There's always, every time you have a symptom, you can fix it really fast. And science has progressed quite fast. Second is social media, right? A, we've created extremely high uh, benchmarks for people to model, which is almost impossible for the most part of the population that you're competing with. You're competing with 2.3 billion people on social media to have the impossible standards of health and fitness. That only show the best of the best. Best of the best. And also at that level, also genetic predisposition comes into being and things that are almost impossible for you to get to that level. You can get very close to it. But if you want to get to that level, it's very hard. And so then what starts to happen is that, hey, you can be like this with this. You can be with me and I can teach you in five weeks or in like five days. Learn this and this in five. There's a lot of narrative around quick fixes. There's yeah. not as much uh, education. And it used to be with religions before it became dogmatic with yeah. a constant and never-ending practice. So it needs to be a constant and never-ending practice because when we are trying to chase success in any way right? this is my my favorite quote from jim Rohn. A, a, any success professional success personal success your level of success seldom exceeds your level of personal development mm. because i kind of become the worthy of having that in your life or another way to look at it is uh, you know how i think this is tony robbins who said that it's not about achieving a goal it's about who do i need to become to achieve that goal Right, that's the yeah. real juice. Right, that's the real game. And what we need to understand is that it's a it's a lifestyle. It, it's it's part of our lifestyle. Every single day, we don't need to meditate because I'm stressed, or I don't need to 
take a fitness program because there's a beach vacation coming up or my relationship is absolutely terrible so i need to find a relationship psychotherapist no i need to constant i want to constantly grow and develop growth is one of the two spiritual human needs right yeah. and it's universal so how can i constantly grow in my mind my body my relationships my spirituality so that i can be more useful in service to others right and to myself so sense of growth fulfills me and the more i grow the more i have the ability to add value to others yeah. just by growing myself but i think people uh, miss um that they they, they um, underestimate the mindset the mindset first first you change your mindset your perspective maybe first your perspective then your mindset then like you said then it, you're ready to picture who you could be who you can be and then you become the person you want to be to reach the goals but then i i think they're jumping right they're like those are my goals yeah you could do it both ways and both both possibilities are, are possible first is the mindset shift right because right now the reason why people don't do it is they believe that there's, there's a shorter fix or they are extremely yeah. addicted to a particular behavior for for example every fat person knows every person who is overweight they know how to lose weight every person knows mm. drink more water eat more green uh, uh, green vegetables have some fruits go for a run once in a while or go for a walk remove processed food everybody knows that but it's just the addiction that we are already have really really strong with foods that are not good good for us behaviors that are not good for us so how do we change that addiction and i think that starts from a, a, a inner inherent desire that i want to change and a belief that it is possible for me right these are the two things that are missing a belief that it is possible for me and an inherent desire that i want to change it and they're often connected right if you have the desire and you're frustrated beating yourself up because you may, you might think it can work for other people but not for me right in that scenario because if you think it can't work for me hello hello self fulfilling prophecy it won't work for you and by now you can go into belief hacking and you know this 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 phenomena but i think this is by now a common conversation that how powerful our yeah. beliefs are but so you can hack your beliefs sorry go no, no 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 go ahead go ahead i was i was going to yeah um gone stream of consciousness comes and when it gets this no 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 gone. i was about to say those are the things we should learn at at school and that should be in our education you know Well, I mean, it's a, it's a discussion I have all the time, and of course, um, I don't know if you know, but I have a company on uh, another company. It's called Kids, and it's basically uh, for uh, we want to do the Mind Valley, but for parents, basically. Mm. Uh, and we really struck by how we don't learn those kind of things at school. That this would be so amazing that you grow up with this. knowledge and this is so obvious to you that it shouldn't be a quick fix that is so obvious to you that this and this and this habit is going to lead to that and not just know but experience like you said um yeah. and i think this should be in our education and and instead of that we showed like you said uh stuff uh, uh, that we don't necessarily need to know um that we could learn if you wanted to on the side but it's like there's a parallel there's our education and i'm talking from the basics from primary school and mm-hmm. then uh, another another thing that is personal growth like oh you take care of that the most important part you have to figure yeah. out by yourself it's like i yeah. love personal transformation is like 
it shouldn't you shouldn't we shouldn't say that it should be so mm. obvious it should be so taught that we're like yeah of course that's what we learned you know that's yeah so that's something i want to talk uh, with you also it's education how how do you see education today how what critics would you say towards education uh i think i said some uh, that we share and but i want to see from your point of view how do you see education today even from primary school to uh to then we can talk about university there's a, a whole other conversation about that yeah so very interesting question first i think uh, i don't have a I've had dissatisfaction with the education system that I was a part of, but I, I don't have critics because I think it served a really important role at a, at a particular time. And the, the pillars of education has, have never changed and will never change. And uh, that was the, you know, when you introduced the talk that got viral, that was, uh, my talk was about what are the three pillars of education. And as the time changes, those pillars never, they never change. Just the modalities shift, right? And we, we are now in the 21st century where our modalities have shifted again. And now we have the immense power to drive our own education when it, when it comes to adult education, right? So that was the premise, but uh, education played its part, the current education system, but I think by now it's getting outdated. It's not serving its purpose. If the purpose, I think the purpose of education needs to be like, you know, to teach us, educate us how to live a successful, meaningful life in the world that we live in today, whatever that definition of success and meaning is for us, if we have, if we find that, how do we lead that? What are the tools required to lead that life in the world that we live in today? And I think the current traditional education system is is kind of now failing to to support that because the engines were built like hundred years ago, yeah. more than hundred years ago. So that's one. Second, when it comes to primary education and uh, education for kids at a very young age, I think this is a solid example. What we need to do is, or and and this is something that as my kids are coming up, one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about personal growth is because I wanna be the example for my child, right? Because the best way kids learn, and every parent knows that, they don't do what you tell them to do. They do what you do. Yeah. They, 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 have, the, they have mirror neurons highly activated. They are literally mirroring your behaviors. So this is why parenting is one of the ultimate personal growth tools that one, one person can, enroll themselves in if they are conscious enough because then what it means is you need if, if you want your kid to grow up reading books and having these conversations around dinner table you don't have to tell them you need to have those conversations with people over with your family over with your friends over you need to engage with them in those conversations they need yeah. to see you take care of your body every single day they need to see you meditate they need to see you make it non-negotiable when you are meditating and the child comes and disturbs you, you say no right now it's time for meditation, right? So when they see that, they emulate that behavior. And we have that, you know, even we emulate uh, the behaviors from the people that we look up to quite strongly, especially with our parents. And we don't realize it how much. And the clear example for that is that, I don't know if you've had that, but many times, most people have this, uh, majority of people have this, you know, sometimes, you know, in adulthood, in a university, or maybe after, a relative will come up to you and say, hey, that you you did that exactly like your father or you're just like your father or you're just like your mother and you go like what the hell i am not <laughs> what are you talking about yeah, like yeah. everybody else can see it except you yeah, yeah, yeah because we are subconsciously adopting those behaviors so one of the fundamental things that we can do when we talk about education system 
before we change the system, how can we make it internal and change ourselves, right? So if parents are having this consciousness, it's easy to say, hey, fix my kid, fix my kid. I don't want to change anything. But the reality is, if we want our kids to grow up in a healthy society, we need to build a healthy society for us so that they can look at and model after. So that's the first thing, parenting. Second thing, the closest to it, is the role models are our teachers, right? Teachers, and that can be influenced with curriculum. And I think that already is starting. There's so many uh, you know, smart people like yourself who are going into the educational curriculum and expanding the scope of the curriculum outside just the narrow uh, you know, silo that we used to have at least like five to 10 years ago. And I think that slowly and slowly is expanding. The, the Montessori system, for example, is becoming way more yeah. uh, acceptable and popular than the traditional education system. I think that's one of the, one of the big changes or shifts that I noticed. Mm-hmm. But having said that, this is just my opinion. Uh, principally, I think uh, parents and teachers you know, living personal growth as a lifestyle influences the kid directly, right? That's the first thing. And in terms of my research of how much of the system has changed, I haven't done it. So my opinions might be not the most qualified, but if you want me to share, I'm sharing them anyway. But I do know that there is like the most progressive curriculums have already started adopting them. Like the Indian government also just uh, released a new, uh, you know, model of curriculum that also includes that gives equal weight to you know music dance equal uh, scores for these things as as an indicator for your success or progress as they would give to stem you know science technology uh, and uh, yeah. that stuff so uh, stem field i forget what's e and m are shit science technology engineering and medicine no, I don't think space, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but I, uh, uh, yeah, those, well, those classical scientific, like uh, yeah, I never yeah. know. Yeah. I'll look into it at the same time. So it is happening, but yeah, I think it is getting introduced, but I think we'll also need to mathematics. be... Mathematics. <laughs> We're so stupid. Mathematics, of course. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I, I was saying that it is, uh, we need to acknowledge that it will not happen unanimously with everyone. The world will not change in a snapshot, right? And then people who are, and this is where the role of entrepreneurs is so important because entrepreneurs are literally, they they live in the delusion more than they live in the real world. That That's one of the things, they're, they're like the optimists that don't want to leave the picture that we call the vision, right? And they live in that vision so much, so strongly that every action is directed as if they're living in that world, which hasn't happened yet. And uh, if th- there are entrepreneurs and companies that are changing education narratives, especially like people like you, Right, you're holding that vision and you're inspiring more and more people every single day by doing that more and more. So I think yeah, totally that- and we faster, we faster than uh, an educational system of a country. Do you imagine the implications they have if they have to make one tiny change that there's so much pressure, right? So yeah. we don't have that pressure and we're more agile. So we can push that, that um, uh, like you do, like uh, Mind Valley does, like all the, 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 the people in the personal growth system. It, they can push and influence. I totally agree. Yeah, yeah, and and then politics is another one. Like, and it's I have very little interest. I have very little interest into so far getting into politics. It might change ten years yeah. later, but right now, very little interest. But my best friend, he wants to like literally the best way to influence a city is by if you go into politics, right? And if if you are the leader of the city, you can engineer systems. And if you bring consciousness to it, you look at how do you elevate the overall population. How do you create 
not sense of independence? How do, what kind of reward system uh, that you give? What kind of mindsets that you embed into the society? Right now, a lot of our, our thought processes and a lot of our bureaucracies can be shifted if, if only we had a different kind of political leader. Right. So politics is another one, which is maybe our generation or even generation with a bit younger than us should be aspiring towards. But right now, unfortunately, it's not a desirable profession for most people. And yeah. teachers, if, if you think about it, teachers is becoming uh, it wasn't a desirable profession, like at least in my view, like 10, 15 years ago, teaching is still like traditional teaching is is very it's not highly paid. It should be very much more. Uh, well-paid yeah. job even in Paris it's not uh, as highly paid yeah. as it should be especially uh, in an ecosystem where education is so highly valued the people who are holding or bringing that information they're not valued enough right yeah. so teacher as a profession wasn't the most desirable profession but I think now the world is shifting where more and more people want to teach want to add value to the world and teaching is becoming a profession which is extremely desirable thanks to technology because we don't have to go through mm. the bureaucratic system and you can bypass that and create a teaching ecosystem that is that adds value and you don't have to pass through that uh, you know hierarchical bureaucratic uh, government system right so it's become yeah. an interesting profession interesting thing to think about yeah you know all my my whole family are teachers my dad right. was a mathematical teacher my mom was a sport teacher uh, in high school my sister is an english teacher uh, uh my cousins are teachers in primary school it's crazy it's my whole family is like that i have four cousins that are um teachers and you know they they're all even the generation of my parents they all do it because they they were passionate to to teach and to bring the value as you said and all my life at dinners at, at when we were eating together and it, it was always the same things coming back they wanted to uh um, try something different they wanted to bring that it's, it's not all negative of course but they were really uh stuck they were really they didn't they have too many too many obstacles from the the the, the program the, the how the system is shaped and my sister is, is a great example of that now she works with me at uh, kids uh, and she writes articles for us and she helps us with many things because she has a point of view of a mom and a teacher but she tried many things in her school and she, she got obstacles after obstacles and actually kids were having better results. Kids were having better results. They were doing visualization, they were doing meditations. And then a guy saw that and he was like, that's not what it should be, you know? That's not what it mm. should be. Even though they have better results, it's, it's not my concern. The program is this, mm. you're not supposed to do that. And even though she was following the program, so. I think it's 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 really a shame. It's um, of course France is a different thing because they have so many advantages. People think they have uh, you know they have a low pay, but they have a lot of uh, advantages. So there's yeah. a whole other discussion about that. But I think uh, France is a good system actually. Sorry. In terms of education, we also like I just want us to pay attention. Uh, French education is quite good. Like it's 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 done quite well in in comparison to many other countries. And oh, yeah. this is the situation in France. Yeah. So like, yeah, it's, it's the, yeah. well, mm -hmm. also, and now I think my sister-in-law is also, she's French and she okay. is a primary school teacher as well. And also my uh, distance brother-in-law, like first degree, like my wife's cousin brother, he's also a primary school teacher. So mm -hmm. they are getting more and more freedom into designing curriculum. So it is shifting. Oh. 
But okay. I think this is interesting because now there was a time where it was extremely rigid, but now it's taking the wave is changing where globally, like teaching is becoming a more desirable profession, at least in uh, in the mm. you know in in Asia, it's it's not the most respected. Uh, wasn't the most respected profession uh, in Asia, okay. in India, definitely not, right? And mm. now it is shifting. That culture is shifting because now we have the ability. People who have the inherent desire to teach. We, it can be met because of uh, technologies, before, because of uh, platforms like Udemy, Coursera, where you can yeah. host programs offline or online uh, independently. Just as long as you're adding value through word of mouth, it can it can prosper. And now with the world of social media and marketing accelerating all of that, you know, the traditional education which people are thinking not worth fighting uh, against is like, yeah, it's just an outdated system that we don't even need to fight anymore. What we have something is new and useful that can add a lot of value. So the, the what I envision is that we can marry the two systems because there is value in just the content of education, right? It's extremely important. What do you inject in people's brain? But it's also equally important, the social aspect, the gathering of it, the connections of it. The, that's how you develop uh, emotional intelligence. That's how you yeah. develop social intelligence. For social uh, uh, human beings, for social animals, it's extremely, extremely important, right? So I, I envision like more experiences, educational experiences that are still happening in an offline space, but with the mindset that you and I are discussing. I think that would be beautiful because the thing that they're I learning- I think you're more beautiful. optimistic than me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. because you're French. <laughs> <laughs> So true, so true. No, no, but you're very optimistic. I think it's going to change very slowly. The the system is going to change very slowly. And then, then like many, but you know what? With COVID, COVID's tragedy, but something that was yes. good came out from that, especially there was a boom in the remote education uh, yeah. um, solutions because there, there are many um, startups who came after the COVID, during the COVID, for that, and I think it's gonna. This is gonna switch. Uh, it's gonna change something. It, it's what you said uh, that people want to add this value, and technology is gonna um, allow to do that. And that's a that's a good thing, I believe. Yeah, that's a good. Yeah, no, COVID is a blessing and a, <laughs> a terrifying thing. Uh, like a terrifying thing, and I think it, it is that right. It's a you 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 can view it as a as an extremely spiritual bypass or not a bypass mm -hmm. spiritual rite of passage not bypass yeah, yeah, yeah. rite of passage to, where it is not comfortable right but so it, it is making us uh in, in like puts the mirror in front of us that we cannot escape from you know the the, the kind of world that we have engineered mm -hmm. for for ourselves and it's triggering all those uh negative feelings for and every person has their own fair share of those whether it's through losing our business whether it's through shifting our relationships whether it's through creating more loneliness more anxiety not having any certainty of the future like that's how the world always was we just started it's just showing us showing it to us clearly that hey the world was always like that you were just being ignorant of it now yeah. that you're aware of it what are you going to do about it right yeah, so it's, so, it's so funny that it, it took a little bit it took a for some people who were willing to have it and it is how it is i felt like it took a little bit of time like water going into a rock you know and after a month after a month mm -hmm. and a half and then people start to open, and now yeah. we now something's happening. But it took it took a while. 
Yeah, and it's it's been I, I don't know everybody has their own fair share of you know yeah. difficulties in this yeah. experience. I've had mine, right? I was <laughs> I I've had I'm in the business of offline experience. I wanted to ask you about that. So bad business model to be in. How, well, how did you do? How did you did you change something? Did you just uh, yeah. wait and see? How did can you can you share a bit about that? Well. Uh, so when it happened, we had just finished our event in Bali and we came back. Uh, we just flew back to Paris. Uh, my wife, myself, and my best friend flew to Barcelona at the time. We came back and then everything was locked. And within a day, where, and this is before the news started spreading, but we started noticing our attendees getting nervous. And this was one of the blessings that we didn't realize at that time uh, as much. But we realized before the government announced that, hey, it's a lockdown, this was like, beginning of March, uh, March 15th or 16th, it was announced in India or 17th. Mm. So the big March 1st to 10th, people were like, you know, hey, this is gonna pass. We're not changing anything. This is all bullshit. A lot of people that I yeah. uh, admire as well. And I was looking up to like seeing what are they saying about it, right? How are they dealing with it? But then we started paying attention to what our customers are saying. And we realized, ah, okay, it may be a bit tight. So a combination of both, something happened. I don't know what that is but something uh, happened that made us decide that, hey, you know what, why don't we just postpone our upcoming event, which is in six weeks. Let's yeah. just postpone, and it's, it's the biggest event that we do, 300 people event for three days. And uh, said, how? let's just postpone it. And we, we sent a video to our audience. This is before the government announced that you cannot do anything. We said, guys, we, we shouldn't do it. We don't want you guys to be uncomfortable, especially our event is like, you hug a lot of people, you're very close to everyone. You're, you're really spending time with each other. Yeah. So we said, we don't want a scenario where somebody's coughing in the back and everybody's just freezing. Yeah. I don't know <laughs> that would be so, horrible. so we decided to postpone the event. Yeah. And, uh, and the moment we did that, the beautiful thing that happened, and I, that's the most heartwarming thing that we experienced, and I don't know what made me decide that. People started sending us love messages saying, thank you for taking a stand, or thank you for deciding it in the favor of the tribe and not, not mm. anybody else. And then the government announced a week later, Right, that the business, like you're not allowed to do any events, right? And then by that time, uh, in that window, what had happened was because we made a decision, thankfully, ten days before, the connection of the nobody made a refund, no, like maybe, like ten people of the 150 that we had at the time booked and they were still uh, selling, like about ten people took a refund, and nobody took a refund. They said as long as it takes, you you have our investment and we trust um, this organization because you put our interests before yours, right? So that was the beautiful thing that happened. The difficult nice. thing that happened was within 10 days, we lost like, as a startup, like close to $50,000 of revenue gone. Wow. That, that was a shocking thing. Yeah. Right? It's only a three year old business and it's a Indian. Hey, me too, uh, me too. <laughs> yeah. My business as well. <laughs> yeah, I think so, a lot of businesses, yeah. That's, that's crazy. And how did, you, how did you transform? Yeah, so for the first 10 days were like, extremely painful like anxiety inducing i was worried and you know it was difficult and i would get into the good state but it was still difficult and that was the first good reminder of personal growth that you know i was thinking oh now i'm a i'm literally I, i'm teaching mental well-being and personal growth and this is my opportunity to test that muscle and i'm being a wuss or why can't i do i have to put up a real like a happy face all the time or do i have to speak my truth and yeah. then people we were still having interviews and conversations around that, right? And then I just started sharing what I genuinely felt at the time. 
right? And my intention was to just speak my truth, whichever way it is coming out and just own that, right? So that it took about two weeks to get adjusted to that period and accept that reality as it is and accept that uncertainty and find blessings in that period. Because at that time I was thinking, ah, it will end in three months maybe. So I can stay there for three months, yeah, so good yeah. thinking. But after a month, we, it, uh, we started adjusting back and we started realizing, hey, if we are not doing the events, there is a scenario that even the next event that we postponed to six months later might not happen, which was yeah. in October. It's not happening. Uh -huh. right? So then we went back and we said, okay, if we were to create, how can we serve other people right now? How can we take ourselves out of our minds and shift our perspective into serving our tribe? And our tribe by that time is like 800 to 1,000 people who are like high price point paying customers, but only 800 to 1,000. And we said, and they were so loving and caring for us. And it was like a pleasure to create something of value for them. And that's mm -hmm. where we started creating like a master, live masterclass series for them, live interviews for them, live challenges for them. And we realized, ah, this is interesting. And even though we said our heart lies in offline experiences, and that is true, yeah, we, we went back to our drawing board and said, okay, we shouldn't like our online experiences are just a means to an end. And we are clear with that. But what are the different things that we can do? And the way to identify that is to go back to the drawing board and look at what are your core values? What are the core values of the organization that can, and mm. whatever product you're building should be aligned with those core values. So our core values are friendships, play, growth, and be humble in your greatness. These are the four core values, right? And every teacher, every experience, every product, every webinar, every event that we create, every guest speaking I would do would align with all of these things, mm. right? Mine is a guest speaking with friendships as much, right? But everything that we produce with Life Plugin would align with all of those four core values. And I thought this could only be done, uh, we thought this could only be done through offline experiences. Now, we didn't have a choice. So we looked back and said, what can we do that facilitates online friendships and it's still an experience where people can come together and have a, have a sense of play. So get out of their own head and their isolation and still uh, engage themselves in a highly growth oriented experience and come mm -hmm. from a place of service, humility, where you're not like a preacher, but we are learning and growing together, every single person, myself included. So when we looked at our core values and said, what can we do right now? The first idea that emerged was to create a 21-day live journey. And that's what we created. We created a 21-day personal mastery journey where you develop your own self-coaching practice. How do you develop your own soul coaching practice so you understand so what yeah. are your limitations and you transcend through them? The crazy part, I thought, and I didn't want to do this. I teach this at uh, subconscious programming at my live events. And these are private workshops where everybody's together. And togetherness was a part of the breakthroughs of tears and you know release of traumas that would happen. So I had a hesitation of teaching it online because I thought people are not together. So the level of transformation will not be as deep. But we rolled out the program and man, it blew all our expectations. Like Really? It, wow. And like I've worked in the transmission education space with Mind Valley, with the education techno technology platform as well. Like how do you increase the course completion rate and stuff? We did a 21 day personal Nazi journey. And the first batch, the average industry completion rate is between 6% to, if you have a good program, 15%. For of the, all the people who buy the program, they complete the program ever. Wow. In the 21 days, when, when we did the program, 70% of the people completed within the 21 days and it wow. was still counting. And the NPS was 81. 
iPhone is 60. The net promoter score was 81. And the third thing, you know, when you when you sell an online, if you sell a program, right? If you sell an online program, you get a good program would get about 10 to 10, the range is 10 to 20% of refund rate because a lot of people buy and then they refund. Yeah. You know, even in the, you know, there's normal. It's normal rate to expect. The refund rate for personal mastery journey, and this is the thing that blew our mind. Zero. Wow. Yeah, we it was really left. your community. It was not new customers that just tried it out. It was really your community that was starving mm -hmm. to... No, no, no. The opposite. Really? So it was new people. That's what I thought too. We'll do it for our community. Wow. But, our, but our community... So there's a community of the people that we meet, we've met with our events, right? Yeah. So those people had experienced the personal mastery philosophy at our events. So I thought we uh, they will find value in it as well, but not as many people were resonating with it because they'd already done that journey with me. So then yeah. when we when we created it, all our followers, people who've never experienced life plugin physically, all the followers, all our all our fans, and all through podcasts and following that we generate through these kind of engagements, those people started enrolling in this, and the level of tribal connection that happened was unbelievable. And some of those stories you can go and check on our Instagram profile. And I put the screenshots there of WhatsApp. People would saying that I would never have these conversations in a private therapy session. And people would say like, I've, I've never met so many incredible people in a bulk in my life. And wow. some person say that I'm, this is the first time I feel out of imprisonment after 43 years. You know, these wow. are the kind of, and I was like, what? <laughs> and this is surprising for us as well. And we did it the first mm -hmm. time. And then wow. we lost it the time. Maybe the first flu. Second time, same numbers. Same numbers. Second, same results. Uh, the second life batch that we did. So now this became our wow. uh, flagship product, which teaches the life plugins philosophy. And we'll do it once every three months, where we take people through an on-ramp of what is the, the methodology that combines you know, different modalities from subconscious programming, mindfulness, EFT, to behavioral change modalities, to NLP. How do you combine them? and build your own self-coaching mechanism that you can use to coach yourself, right? And not constantly be engaged in different personal growth practices that are new coming up every that's, single day. That, that's what I wanted to, um, I mean, there were so many things I didn't want to, to break your flow, but that's what I wanted to say, that very few, very few people teach a system and that, that's the shame of it. There are very few, very few coaches or speakers or however you, you want to call them transformational leaders. They, they teach you how to take care of your own system to build it and to coach yourself. So that, that's great that you, you're doing that. I think I, I'm, I'm sure that's also one of the reasons why it's so successful. That's awesome. Yeah. And hey, man, we, you know, we, we teach best what we needed to learn the most. Yeah. And, uh, and, and this, was, this, was, this was for me. The reason why I know I can teach it so well is because this is something that I needed to learn. And this is something that I still do in my life. This is the thing that changed my life to being from wherever I was to where I am. Like if, if I literally, even to this day, if I think about where I started from, it still makes me emotional. Like I grew mm -hmm. up in a, in a middle-class family in India. My, my first full-time job was a hundred dollars a month full-time. And that's the eco. And I was terrified of, of speaking in public, let alone in English, right? So the, it's not that I've changed so much or I've grown so much. I'm a different person. Like mm. I go back into my life, people don't rec they, they they meet me as if I'm a new person. So for me, this was extremely meaningful. And the journey of putting this, putting some consciousness into it and 
offering it to other people from my heart. I think the authenticity showed through. And I think this is why we need to, like this is what we need to do in personal growth. We should teach what we needed to learn. We need to be the coach yeah. that we needed in our life. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, if yeah. we can do that authentically, whatever we do, I think we'll, we'll master it. Because that, that comes from a place of genuine, a sense of genuinity and authenticity that is impossible to replicate. We, we, we can feel it because this is how you build your values as well. You encapsulated your authenticity somehow for other people to be aligned with in your company somehow. Of course, yeah. you as a coach, you as a, as a CEO, you constantly, um, like you said, you work on your authenticity. But I think also the values that you described, this is a way to encapsulate them. The core, those are the core beliefs, right? So yeah. it's, um, I, I, I can, yeah, that's amazing. Guys, I just I put the, the website uh, here, uh, go check lifeplugin.com. There is no mistake in the way I, I um, wrote it down. No, I'm no. happy. <laughs> a lot of people make mistakes. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and, I mean, anyways, that's something that is hard to find. Uh, same on their social media. Yeah, go check it. It's, uh, it's a really great uh, project. It, um, I love companies like that, you know, because, I mean, doing business is doing business. I respect people who sell pieces of plastic for some purpose, you know. But when it has a deeper purpose, a deeper meaning, I, for me, it's even... It's even better. You, you must really enjoy doing it. I know you have yeah. ups and downs, but I, I, I'm sure you really enjoy doing it. Oh man, it's uh, <laughs> it's uh, like if like life plugins philosophy is that if it isn't fun, you're not doing it right. Yeah, and like it's uh, it's the most like, I the life plugin is something I was doing for free. Like it's and the things that yeah. we do, we do for free. We built this ecosystem originally. You know how it started? It originally started. Uh, I was in Bar I started in Barcelona the same time that you and I were there in 2017 in really? this very oh, apartment. Wow. I thought it was while, older. Literally standing while standing here. <laughs> standing here, I did a Facebook Live, first ever Facebook Live. I was absolutely terrified. And I, it literally started because I would go to India and I would not be able to have conversations with my old friends that were extremely smart and talented. And we had great times in the past. But, you know, we, we would already become the old versions of ourselves. And I wanted to have you know, uh, I shared experience in the things that I'm passionate about. So I literally said, guys, I will organize like a cool weekend experience. How many of you are interested? And I'm telling you, it was the first ever, like back when Facebook Live was not popular. It was terrifying. You know, right now live is yeah. easy. Uh, at that time I did like the, picked up the phone and it goes like three, two, one, you're live. <laughs> and then immediately was like 5,000 people staring at you in your head, right? So I did that. And my, it started from a need of genuinely just gathering together as friends, having an adventure, having a blast and sharing things that we are deeply passionate about. So that's the source of, of Life Plugin because it, it's a privileged position to start from because we didn't, I didn't have to start it as a business. It yeah. started as a passion project and I was doing really well in Mind Valley at that time. Right, so I didn't, even for financially, I didn't need it at that time. Even financially in the beginning, I didn't need it because most of the money would, Come from That's a great position speaking, to be in. Consulting, yeah. yeah, and it's a privileged position. Right? Yeah, yeah, I'm fully aware. Not everybody would get that. No, 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 right? no. no so, but uh, but at the same time, it's not easy because when it's your passion and becomes your business, you can, you know, the in between, we always have to be careful. I know, for, as a magician, uh, at some point, my passion became a job, and it wasn't so fun anymore. So I know, yeah. I know that yeah. I, I, I don't want to. Um, 
I don't want to diminish your success because uh, definitely it's not because it's your passion and that you, do, you could do it for free that when you do it as a business, it's easier because it's the other challenges, right? And people, yeah, are, not, true. Yeah, people are not aware of that. People think like, oh, yeah, just do mm. what you love, your passion. It's like, mm, oh, be careful. Be very careful. good point. Yeah. Very good point. You know, there's this premise, you know, m most passions are just hobbies. Like, first of all, like, if the idea of of follow your passion is a bit yeah. incomplete and it can be to a young person can be one of the most dangerous advices to ever because you know steve jobs made it popular i think i wrote a post on it as well you know yeah. he said he said that uh, you know what follow your passion you know that's steve yeah. jobs line but what we should look at is to not do what steve jobs said but do what he did when he started apple he was not passionate about computers he was a guy who would walk barefoot in universities take lsd take uh, smoke weed every day and then travel to india <laughs> trying to discover who he who he is and he started this business for money right and passion follows pursuit and there's a really fascinating book called uh, so good that they can't ignore you I was about to say, man, from Carl Newport, yeah. it's great. I was about to say that I was waiting for you to finish your thoughts. It's, yeah. uh, I love this book. I always talk about this book because, you know what? When I read it the first time, I was like, no, this is not true. I was like, mm. I wasn't convinced by, by the arguments. And uh, I also think that it starts a bit rough, but then... Mm. It got into my mind and I continued the book and I was like, yeah, actually, blah, blah. And, and then I also got a crisis personally in magic. I was mm. seeing it as a joke. Oh, by the way, I, I noticed that we, uh, we, we went over the time that I promised. You tell me when you need to go, right? Because I don't want yeah. to take too much of it. So far, so good. When the right. airport, you know, my airports are the alarm system already. You know, <laughs> they it's have the gross. battery for like 90 minutes and they okay. start making that doo -doo 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 sound. All then right. I tell you. Oh, no problem. It's going to be soon. It's going to be soon. Anyways, so yeah, so when I started, I had some kind of crisis in magic. I, everyone, when you say you're a magician, people say, oh, so lucky, do what you love, and you must love it, blah, blah, blah. And, I, and at some point, I couldn't say yes anymore. I was like, mm, yeah, you know, so I knew something was wrong. And I, I talked with my mentors in magic, and they were telling me that it became a job. So this book took his meaning. It's meaning mm -hmm. at this moment. So yeah, if if you guys are asking yourself questions out there who are watching this podcast, um, um, so good they can't ignore you. From Carl Newport is a good book uh, mm -hmm. for you to to think hard about. Do you yeah. should you it's follow your passion? perspective? Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. One of the things I loved about that book, <clears throat> he says that uh, you know the passion hypothesis versus the craftsman hypothesis. Uh, the passion hypothesis is like I want to do only things that I'm passionate about. And for a young person, they, they don't. Most of their passions are just hobbies. Uh, when they when you're in a university, mostly, right? And then craftsman mindset is committing to the process, being in love with the process. And whatever process that you commit to for long term, you by design develop passion for it. If you if you commit to it. And the problem with passion hypothesis, one of them, is that it makes you. It can make you hyper aware of the things that you don't want. Like it makes you, ah, I just want to do the thing that I'm passionate about. Yeah. It makes you hyper aware of the things that you don't like, right? And anything meaningful, big that we want to do, which will become our life's purpose or passion will require things. 
yeah, that, uh, that we don't have business that we are doing of personal growth, but it, not every single day I, I enjoy the, uh, doing the things that I'm uh, I'm doing. I'm not jumping twenty four seven with excitement. Yeah, Holy shit! So. I get to do this. Yeah, right. So there's yeah. a, but I like like the thing that I'm passionate about. It's only for myself, which is my hobby. Is that I'm a learning freak, right? So I learn uh, personal growth wisdom and. Because of my upbringing and my own limiting beliefs, my own traumas, I grew up believing, like had a strong sense of not enoughness or incompetence. So what that manifested into is that I always felt that I was not as good enough. So I needed to do extra, work on myself extra so that I can, you know, uh, be better. Yeah. And I, I, it was a very private process for me. And when I was learning, so I would not just read a book, but every single book that I read, right? And I would make sure that it is implemented in my life. So if yeah. I if I'm talking to you about something that I read, it I will only talk to you if it is embedded in me. So my idea this is way before I knew I wanted to be in this business, but I was just learning like that because of like a pain point that I grew up with. Right? But now that has become a strength. Now this is the same thing, idea of having a learning mindset and integrating wisdom from wherever I'm getting is something that is one of my biggest strengths. So whether it's learning personal growth or my passion for personal growth, my passion for friendships. I love like my best times in my life, my biggest mentors, my favorite mentees are all my friends. And like, there's only like 20 people in the world that I would call friends. And they're all my friends, right? Yeah. So I'm, it's a very spiritual need. So I'm passionate about that. And I'm passionate about doing wild things, crazy things, playful things. So I'm always curious about these new adventures. And then it is about entrepreneurship. Now I have all these because I, I'm aware that it's a privilege. That even though I have my ups and downs, the fact that you and I are able to have this conversation is an extremely privileged position to for me to be in, right? And I get to experience these things, I get to learn these things, I get to talk about these things. But then, how can I, you know, pay it forward? I've been given these things with no effort of my own. I was just born into this world, you know, with a family that was healthy, not extremely damaging, you know, not financially privileged, but relationally extremely privileged. You know, so I had my own gifts. We were, I was just given this experience. A lot of teachers, I found find, found them randomly, like Vision, got hired. You know, there's so many people I want to give back, but they never want yeah. me to give back. <laughs> the only thing I can do, I, I, because some of them are dead, some of them I've never met, some of them I will, they will never need me to give back. So but the they would like you do, to see, they would, they'd, they'd always, mentors always like to see that you're doing what they advise yeah. you to do. That's how we yeah. give back to a mentor. Like if I yeah. help someone and he actually yeah. does something, I'm like, True. yeah, that's the best, that's the best reward, right? Yeah. And for me, I choose to, and this is what I remind myself every time, is that every time something meaningful happens or every time I'm in the state that I'm reflecting right now, I tell myself, thinking about all the mentors and all the privileges in my life that I know I can't pay you back, but I promise to pay it forward. Mm. And to me, this is, this, is, this is the thing that drives me to do the things that I do because I believe I'm extremely lucky. I'm probably the luckiest person you will ever meet. Me too, me too. You know, so, you know just, uh, just a little thing. Uh, talking about passion and, and you know, leaving from your passion and... and After I read um, the book, the So Good They Can't Ignore You, and after I digested it, so maybe a few years after, I realized, but only a few years after, I realized, I was so lucky that it worked for me, you know? Mm. Because, yeah. but that's something that young people 
we didn't know because, and I didn't know because when you start, you don't have this overview, you don't have this knowledge about how it kind of works. Like, what do you like? What should I do? And and afterwards, I'm like, Phew, I'm so lucky that magic worked for me. And, and mm. one thing after the other, but it, I could have struggled for years and years and and hated it. So yeah. Anyway, so it's just uh, something that came to my mind. But uh, yeah, that's that's true. That's absolutely true. And then for young people. Right now, I think this is the message that we should give them, or not we should give them. This is the message I want to embody, and if it speaks to them, it's great. It's like the idea of craftsman mindset or sticking to the process. There's a book, short book called The Process Mindset as well. Really nice book, right? The Process Mindset. Sticking, okay. committing to a process, falling in love with growth. Right? It's all speaking the same thing. Be in love with growth, not the result. Be attached to the action that you're doing, not the result right? Not the shiny thing. And uh, committing to a craft for the long run is yeah. the thing which is which is the more fulfilling way to go rather than this is what I'm passionate about and this is the only thing I'm, I will do is because that is like we, we are living in an instant gratification world. We're living in overnight becoming an influencer world. Like it's superficial and not meaningful. We crazy yeah. high and then crazy crashes and then we find different superficial metrics and it's taking us through these journeys. What I would love for my younger brother, this is what I tell my younger brother, who's like 24, 25 now, is like, yeah. how can we commit to a long-term process? Because anything, Rome was not built in a day. I think we forget that. And yeah. you and I are part of that generation that we often forget. But I think we have a, still a glimpse of the world before smartphones. I have it at least growing up in India. Yeah. I, I know living, leaving the house without a phone for a long time. I, I, I remember that feeling. It's weird. It's, it's a weird feeling when you do it. Yeah. And now if you do it, like you, you become like an addict, like you, you're, you have your, your finger fixation. I thought about it. There's also something that's, that, that, that's uh, tricky, even trickier, is that because we're interconnected and because people expect you to have your phone with you, then you're not the problem anymore. Let's say, sometimes I'm like, well, I'm not going to take my phone. It's going to be annoying because my phone is quite big, you know? So I, it's kind of heavy. I don't want to have it all the time with me. And sometimes I say, no. But then I think, damn, if someone tries to call me, like my wife or, or my family or whatever, and they, they can't reach me, they might be worried. And so yeah. it's like you're trapped by yeah. this kind of thing so you have i have to warn them i'm not gonna have my phone <laughs> like yeah. nothing is wrong so that is yeah, yeah. That, that is uh, true it's, it's an addiction and then some and we we, we have to justify it ourselves right sometimes <laughs> like this because the smarter we become the smarter our ego becomes the smarter our addicted uh, mind also becomes so we can come up with smarter excuses you know we can say yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. i need it I need it because of my, my <laughs> you know, I, I need it. What, yeah. uh, what if my, yeah, we need it for GPS. I can't orient myself. I'm, I'm included in that, right? But I think, and we are the last generation that has seen the world without and with, right? We, we, and what we need to, the, the point that I was trying to make before was committing to something long-term, mm. anything that is meaningful and fulfilling comes when we commit to something long-term. And I think this this idea of getting instant results i think it became like things come way too easy for us whether it's food make it press three buttons in the phone yeah. you, you can just sit in the couch and get it all the things that you want from amazon all of those things are becoming easier so our behavior now we need to manage our own behavior earlier 
our life circumstances used to do that. So it was already taken care of. Yeah. Now we need to be mindful. Mindfulness has become this popular thing because it's becoming more important and relevant because if you're not mindful, the automated world that we live in, it's, it's kind of taking us away from our alignment, right? We need to move. We need to have low levels of activity throughout the day, not just go to the gym once a one hour every two days, yeah. right? We, we need to do all of those things. Yeah. We need to be mindful of that. We need to have like maybe standing desk, like I'm standing and having this conversation rather than sitting. You know, mm -hmm. we need to be mindful to be in the sun. We need to be mindful of committing to a process for long term. We need to be mindful of creating a vision which is 10 years ahead and not just where do I want to be next in the next one year, but what do I want to create in the next 10 years? What do I want to be a part of in the next 10 years? Not just yeah. want to create. Like, what do I would like to be a part of? Like, all of these narratives, I think I see them less and less around us. Oh, could be my you know the the reality that i'm surrounded with at least i i see less there so that's the thing i would i think is helpful for a, a the younger generation which is following up because they are going through even more extreme version of anxiety and and mental health issues because they that's the only world they know the only world they know is instant gratification world and not everybody gets gratified instantly all the time everybody at the same time so it creates massive dissatisfaction, which is getting advertisers constantly 24 seven. So that's a big problematic world that we yeah. find ourselves in. But, we but I think we, I think we can't top that. I think we should, yeah. we should, that's, that's the peak of the thing. I think we should leave people with that. Um, <laughs> and I think we should, we could talk for hours uh, about so many things in education. Yeah. I think I should, we should do this again. If you're up to it, if you have time in the future, we should do this again. For uh, sure. But in the meanwhile, I thank you so much uh, for your time. Um, uh, before we go, I want to uh, please let us know where we can find you. We said, um, of course, the, the, the Life Plugin website, uh, but you said Instagram? Yeah. Yeah, Instagram would be the best channel. This is the name of the company, and right. my name is whatever is displayed on the screen. We're gonna so display it. Yeah, yeah, got, yeah, this one. Yeah. So if you find this name, you'll find it. And yeah, if it, yeah, if it adds value, you'll find it either way. You you yeah. go online and you'll find. We'll it. put some links in the bottom as well. Yeah. We'll some, yeah. So, anyways, uh, thank you so much. We don't want to take too much of your time. It was great, and um, I hope to see you again in the future in a podcast on real. All right. Thank you so much, man. Thank I look you so much. To good time. In Paris. Yeah. yeah. Have a good day. Bye. Thank you. Bye.